Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello and welcome back to a Monday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and it is Monday evening. So that means my good friend over there on the West Coast in Los Angeles, California of 49ers Hub. It's Mr. Burner Swords himself. Evan, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm doing well, doing well. How you doing, man? Not too bad, not too bad. Is uh, Thibodeau going to play a full game this season? I don't know the answer to that question, but <laughs> I just want to say out loud, I just said I'm doing well. And the Cowboys just won and the Niners lost. So, no, I'm actually really not doing well. Uh, I don't want to lie to the, to the listeners. It looks like the bottom may have fallen out in uh, in Philadelphia. This was not a result I expected going into Monday. I, I think I we mean, both picked the Cowboys, though, didn't we? The Cowboys look good, but I, I, I do think that the Eagles are as bad as the Cowboys are good. Um, so I'll be interested in watching the Cowboys throughout the season. I had a buddy text me during the game. He's a Cowboys fan here in Knoxville, and he was uh, he all he said was, um, I really like Dan Quinn, just to hurt me. And um, I'm glad Cowboys fans are happy with Dan Quinn. Thrilled, really. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, uh, I, you know, I did. I, I will say this. I and I said it on this podcast. I thought Dan Quinn would be a good signing. I was actually hoping the uh, 49ers would have signed him instead mm-hmm. of uh, D'Amico Ryan's, and kind of, kind of thinking that right now. Well, we'll get into the Niners and the Falcons in that weekend momentarily. But uh, what's uh, what's new with you in the last week? Any any new stories? Anything anything interesting with you? You went to a tequila festival i think over the weekend you and you did not bounce back uh walk do you want to walk the listeners through through your week or your weekend yeah yeah so i actually uh one of my old high school buddies who has lived out in new jersey for like nine years he's like a food scientist um was like hey i'm in town for work which he never is and i was like oh that's amazing i haven't seen this guy in a long time so you know, we went and got went out and got some drinks on Friday night and saw some friends and had to had some good times. And then the next day, I woke up and had to go to a tequila festival, <laughs> um, which my another friend of mine, his his girlfriend, is like an event planner. So she was her company was putting on this event, and it was honestly like if you've ever been to a large scale beer festival, it mm-hmm. was really kind of like that, just with tequila, a lot of different tequila vendors. You know, games, prizes, et cetera, et cetera. It was a lot of fun. So, uh, and then I was supposed to, uh, you know, we have a, we have some engineers at my tech startup work. um, And then, uh, you know, a lot of different combinations of my company's engineers have lived in this one house over the years. um, And like, it's kind of become the company like frat house, if you will. Uh, And they've thrown parties and something. So they're, they're, the owners of the house were selling the house. Um, so this was like their last party of this company house, if you will. Right. And I was like, yeah, guys can't wait. I'll be there tonight. And I'm sitting here at tequila festival. I'm like, I'll be okay. I just won't go crazy. And I got home at like 10 getting, I was like, I'm going to go home. I'm going to shower. I'm going to change. And I'll be over there. And I went home and I passed out. <laughs> 
immediately. And I woke up at like four in the morning because I had slept all night. It was great. Mm. How are you feeling now? I'm feeling uh, tired, my friend. I'm feeling tired. I don't know how you bounce back and get back in the workout routine. I don't know how it doesn't set you back, especially at our age. We're in our 30s, Evan. We can't, we can't be doing that as much anymore. Uh, self-loathing. <laughs> very, very strong motivator, my friend. Mm. I, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Um, I've, we, we live very different lives, you and I. I don't have anything close to that from this weekend. I just watched uh, Tennessee play it close uh, with the Sports Renaissance Women on Saturday. Watched a lot of football. Uh, I ran. Um, I got over my sickness after being down for the count for a week, which was really, really annoying. Um, as you know, I'm someone that likes to stay busy and uh, get all my stuff together. And it just me being on the couch was just not not fun for me. And then I, you're not going to believe this. I did some graduate school work on Sunday, so I had to record the Falcons game and not watch it live. Um, so I spent the afternoon doing that fun stuff. This is what the listeners are here for, Evan, is my my boring, boring uh, recap. But that's my life, and I like that. I like I have a very simple, happy life where I get to hang out with someone awesome every day and I mean, go it, hang out it, with the dog, go to parks, go to I fairs, would, watch football. I would definitely say, from my, my perspective, mm-hmm. uh, I am jealous. I am envious. I, w- I would I would love to uh, settle down with a special someone and never have to worry about a hangover again. So you look like you're having a blast. It, it's nice. I, I was built for, for this, I think. I think I was built for this. It's it's very nice. And I did not think I – I don't know. You, you don't think you're going to get there until you actually get there. But it's very, very nice. Um, so, yeah. There you go. There's my sappy – portion of our nfl podcast tonight because it's time to to bring bring the hammer down is that the expression drop the hammer what is it bring the hammer down i think it's bring the hammer down right um because evan it's time for our team our time our team i don't even remember which way i phrased this our time our team let's start with your san francisco 49ers they played on sunday night Ooh, I watched this game today. Uh, I did not watch it live last night, but um, man, uh, w- w- I'm just going to leave the floor to you. Um, what do you What do you make of this? What do you make of Jimmy, Trey Lance, the Rodgers, time on the clock? What do you make of all of it? So there's no possible way to cover every single thing that happened yeah. in the game last night. There were so many different stories and variables, and it, it just was jam-packed with bullshit. Uh, I'll try and speed round it if I can. Uh, Aaron Rodgers didn't miss a single thing. The the defensive backs played so soft on him all night long. He was eating up the middle of the field. Uh, the Packers corners, I watched the game again today, and they literally were blanketing the receivers. Even when Jimmy was hitting passes, they were still just completely blanketing receivers. They were, they were getting no separation whatsoever. Uh, the 49ers had all of their defensive, uh, or defensive ends healthy playing today, and they – didn't record one sack, barely got a pressure at all, um, played absolutely terrible. The 49ers corner situation is a epidemic. I mean, they're absolutely terrible. Um, Josh Norman had a really good game, which says everything you need to know. Um, more injuries. And then let's talk about Jimmy, right? Jimmy had some of the most ridiculously pathetic passes. Mm. Um, he, in some moments, he looked terrible. Uh, you know, 
it's very, very, very obvious. I've said it, said it a million times on here. Kyle Shanahan is not letting him do anything. Um, and I, you know, and let's, let's, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe Jimmy can't do it. Sure. Fine. Um, but what I really took from last night, especially watching, you know, some of the Trey Lance plays, um, you know, when you look at how rudimentary this passing attack is, right. Kyle Shanahan basic. I mean, like people were talking all day about how safeties were basically seven yards out all night long, just daring him to pass the ball. And he didn't. Um, you know, if that's, if that's scheme, uh, if that's Jimmy, who knows, whatever. Uh, but you know, I think I can sum this frustration up into this. It's the most basic offense in the world. I just don't understand how you can look me square in the eye and tell me that Trey Lance can't run this basic ass offense while also being able to run the way that he runs and having more of a deep ball, right? Like, I personally think that if you were to just let Jimmy do his thing, like, let him fail. Let him try and fail. I would rather him try and fail than us try and win the games with, like, handcuffs. I mean, it just – no downfield ta- uh, you know, ta- uh, attempts. George Kittle had nine targets, and, like, eight of them were in the fourth quarter. It was ridiculous. He didn't get the ball all game long until they desperately needed him at the end. And guess what? Every time George Kittle has the ball in his hands, he gains extra, you know, a yard or two extra. He breaks an extra tackle. Never fails. Um, you know, I just don't understand what the point is. Kyle clearly doesn't trust Jimmy or doesn't think that he can do, you know, what he needs to do. So we're sitting here not starting the quarterback that we traded three first-round picks for, who every time he's got the ball in his hand, is he's dynamic. You know, scores a touchdown tonight. Looks great. Um, and then at the end of the game, Jimmy comes in, starts getting lights out, starts heating up. Uh, you know, I think this is kind of funny, too, that, um, you know, exactly what we're kind of talking about, right? Kyle having handcuffs on him. Into the game, more no huddle, uh, more, you know, kind of fast-paced situational football, and Jimmy looked good. He was completing passes that were very well covered. He was throwing dimes. You know, and he drove down the field with a minute 37 seconds left or, you know, whatever it was, and he scored the go-ahead touchdown to win the game. And the defense absolutely collapsed. Uh, the clock management was terrible. I don't know if that's on Jimmy. I don't know if it's on Kyle. I don't know who it was on, but they could have uh, burnt more time on the clock, and instead they gave Aaron Rodgers, who hadn't missed a pass all night. It was one of the best games he's played in the last 10 years. Uh, they gave him 37 seconds to drive the ball down the field to to, to be able to kick a field goal. And I think he did it in two passes. Um, You know, uh, I just, I just don't understand what the team is trying to accomplish here. Uh, They, they almost lost week one against the lions. You know, they, they, they won last week Uh, Packers who they, I mean, the Packers had starting offensive linemen out of the game, right. Didn't start today because of injuries. They're, Zadarius Smith, their best pass rusher, not playing. On paper, the 49ers should have handedly beat them. But for some reason, uh, it, you know, it was not good. That's kind of what I mentioned, right, when I was talking about Dan Quinn. D'Amico Ryans comes in this year. They arguably have more talent at, 
uh, you know, on the defensive side of the ball. They're not playing good football. Um, Bosa looked good last week with two sacks, but they signed Samsung Ibukam from the Rams for a lot of money in free agency this year, and he, I don't think, has recorded uh, a pressure, let alone a sack. You know, D Ford comes back healthy, which was kind of a win considering we thought he was going to retire. And he, you know, looked kind of good in the first game, and then he just was non-existent last night. I, uh, I got, I, you know, I got n- no idea what the 49ers are going to be doing for our, for the next 13 games. Do you think they figured some stuff out in the fourth, though? I don't, because the defense still played like shit throughout the fourth. I mean, mm. well, let me, their defense. I will say this: there was two turnovers that that were Jimmy's fault. And they, you know, they only came back with three uh, points. So the defense did do some good things, um, but you know, it was it was the corners really that just just absolutely fell apart. You know, Josh Norman got injured after having a pretty decent game. You know, he had like an eighty nine point four PFF score. My big thing is this: I just don't know what the plan is. I don't know how you approach having a quarterback that you're not letting him do anything. You're not trying to get the ball into George Kittle's hands. You know, Debo was lights out for two weeks and then he barely saw the ball. I just, I don't know what the plan is. And, and I don't know if you, if you're going to do this, why not start Trey Lance? What, what's the point? What was up with the running game? Like they really, really struggled to run the ball on this Packers Packers. They didn't struggle to run the ball. They didn't run the ball. Yeah. They, they were running, you know, they ran direct snap to Kittle. Devo ran a couple runs, but you got to remember, right? Um, Trey Sermon has come, played one snap, mm-hmm. got a concussion. He's coming back, barely, you know, barely healthy. Who knows? They signed a couple guys off practice squad. Carryon Johnson was active. He never saw the ball once. Kyle just didn't want to run. And it does suck, too, because Trey did get the ball sermon uh, down the line towards, like, the third and fourth quarter, and he honestly started to look good. It, it almost it almost seems like um, that maybe maybe if he would have tried to establish the run a little bit earlier, I think Trey's going to be okay. So, uh, you know, next week, Elijah Mitchell is probably going to be coming back from that shoulder stinger. If Trey can – Sermon can start running, I don't know. But I'll How be, did he look, though? How did Trey Sermon look to you? Like I said, towards the end of the game, when he started to get the ball, he literally did start to get some momentum, started mm-hmm. breaking some tackles. You know, that touchdown, he basically, you know, extended his entire body out to score that touchdown. It was a great play. I wonder, did you look at how, who was, like, so Devontae Adams got 18 targets in this game. He hit a monster night, obviously, 12 receptions, 132 yards. Uh, 11 yards per route run. I mean, just an absolute monster performance from him. Who did he, like, who was Devontae? Who was on Devontae for the majority of this game? Do you remember? Was it Norman? It was Diamandre Lenore and Josh Norman. Okay. Not good. Not, not good. But also just like, this kind of bonkers. 18 targets. So how many did he throw overall? What did Aaron, yeah, he threw 33 passes 18 went to uh went to mr Devonte adams pretty wild who do you think starts next week jimmy or trey jimmy definitely starts next week but i think next week is the game where if, if this happens again mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the, yeah. If they lose to the Seahawks, you're going to see Trey. And okay. I and I think and I and I think the interesting part is, and I, you know, it's hard because I feel like I'm on an island here saying this, but I genuinely think, you know, especially the last couple minutes of the game is a great example that Jimmy Garoppolo can play quarterback. You know, he can be a good quarterback. He can win football games. I, I do feel in my heart that there are throws that he's not as good at making. Sure, there's things that he might not be as good at, but if you let him do his thing, the kid is clutch. Last night was a great example of that. When he had to go out there and get shit done, he did. But I just think that Kyle does not fuck with him. And it seems like whenever there's a mistake, Kyle immediately pulls the reins in, you know, bare, you know, like tiny little, you know, three, four-yard passes, whatever. Uh, focuses on the run game. And I just don't understand, like, how as a quarterback you can, like, mentally, like, just be like, okay, here we go again. I'm just going to fucking do nothing. Um, so, I don't know. I'm rambling. But, yeah, I uh, – I, I, <laughs> it's the Seahawks, man. I'm actually going to be at this game, and I'm Ooh, really nice. terrified. So, this, yeah, it's the Seahawks, man. And whenever they play the Seahawks, it's a, it's a big game. And if they lose against the Seahawks at home, no pod next week. You'll be uh, you'll be seeing Trey Lance. I'll tell mm. you that much. Okay. Um, on the flip side, in Atlanta. Well, I guess this this was actually in New York, so not even in Atlanta. But the Giants are who we thought they were. They're bad. Um, Daniel Jones, I thought, wasn't that bad in this game. Saquon just isn't right. Um, I like some of the receivers in new york but their off the line is not good um kyle pitts is going to do stuff um his yards per route run are pretty bonkers and he's just not really used but when he is used these good things happen calvin ridley got a lot of targets um still can't run the football but jalen mayfield positive positive pff grade so shout out to jalen mayfield who had one of the all-time worst starts to any rookie campaign at that left guard spot. So shout out to him. Uh, Matt Ryan, would you, would you like to guess how many passes uh, went past 20 yards uh, in this game from Matt Ryan? How many would you guess? He threw 30 plus, just for reference. Uh, 12. Zero. Oh, okay. So he was a Jimmy Garoppolo this week. Yes. Matt Ryan is not throwing. It, it's the season. Like his yards per attempt. And if you watch these pass, like I go back and I watch every one. I'm like, Arthur Smith has taken it away. Like it's just, it's, um, it's kind of, it's just kind of mind bending to look at the Dirk Cutter Matt Ryan experience and then transition to what Arthur Smith is doing because it is a complete, completely different situation. Um, it's also not great that Cordero Patterson might be the most important Atlanta Falcon to this point. That is something I'm a little concerned about. And look, he's he went to a great university. Um, at the University of Tennessee, he was a he was a star there. Who who doesn't remember uh, his time with Justin Hunter lining up Nealon years ago? But um, he had 82 receiving yards on Sunday. He gets a lot of carries. Um, big catch late. Big big Cordero guy. He's actually been incredible. All seriousness there. Um, Grady had a good game, but this this is just like a preposterous stat too. So I think um, that. Uh, Willie McFadden at the Falcoholic uh, alerted me to this, but 27 tackles and two tackles for a loss for the two linebackers for the Atlanta Falcons this weekend, Deion Jones and Foye Olokan. Like, t- 
27 tackles between the two of them, sir. Where are you at right now with your team? Um, they're not good. I can tell you that. They're the Giants are just that bad. Like the Giant the NFC East, man. The Washington football team, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, and the New York Giants are all, I think, just really, really bad. I think the Cowboys might clinch by mid October. Um no, I don't I'm I'm not taking anything away from this. I think it's interesting to see Matt Ryan fall into the Drew Brees phase of his career. Um so we'll see what that looks like over the course of the next few weeks. But um the defense is still not good. AJ Terrell's been better than expected. I like the receiving options. They're still trying to figure that out. They can't run the football, so I'm concerned that they'll never be able to close games even if they're up. Um the offensive line the critical factor here. And I mean, if Jalen Mayfield and Caleb McGarry and the rest of this offensive line starts performing better, I mean, that changes um, our upside down the line, but I don't know. I, I don't think I'm optimistic about where the season's going. Like they're clearly the worst team in the NFC South. The problem too, is that the NFC South is loaded with Tampa, new Orleans and Carolina who's undefeated. So the Falcons, I think are kind of in a position where, they're not going to be around that 500 mark that they may have hoped. And also they're in a, in a tough division that I don't see a way they don't finish fourth in unless injury and things change in a hurry at the top of the top of this division. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it, it's always fun to get a win, but the giants do look like the, the worst team in football right now. The Giants are Giants are bad. Um, well, we're going to pause real quick for a message from our sponsors, but we'll be right back. I was I was expecting you to do the and we're back that you've been doing the last couple of weeks. So I, I I'm glad that you did not do that because it always cracks me up. But um, I, uh, I got a text. Yeah, oh, did you? <laughs> so I got a yeah, I got a text. Okay, there you go. You don't have to brag. I know you're popular, Evan. I'm not popular. You don't have to brag. The Broncos. Oh, um, sorry. I just got sidetracked as well. There you go. See, Evan, it is ADD transferable through a podcast call. That is the question. Um, the Broncos, Mr. Swords, are tied with the Buffalo Bills for the best point differential in the NFL at plus 50. So I ask you, who are you a bigger believer in the bills or the Broncos long-term for, and when I say long-term well, the, the next few weeks, the course of this season, who are you a bigger bill. believer in the bills? What, okay. Who are, you, who, are you, who are you asking? What are you talking about here? What are we, what are we talking about? <laughs> the bills? Are you kidding me? Obviously the bills. The I don't bills. think it's that obvious. I think Teddy is good, good this year. Like the, the Broncos are, I mean, I don't know how much you've watched this game this past week and like what you've seen from them this year, but like, that defense is legit, and Buffalo's defense is legit, and Josh Allen obviously has higher upside than Teddy, but Teddy is taking deep shots. Teddy is doing I mean, stuff. Let's relax. Teddy threw for 235 yards. Mm-hmm. Like This is a game that Teddy Bridgewater is going to be good at. I've been a big fan of Teddy for a long time. I love seeing him successful. Don't let me, you know. Well, hold on. I have a question point. for you. What was his yeah. yards per attempt in this game? 9.4. Yeah, I was going to say 9. Yeah, 9.4. He's taking shots downfield. He may have only thrown for 235 yards, but he is 
He is moving the ball downfield. He's not capping check down. Listen, super efficient. Doesn't throw any picks. Teddy's good. Teddy's a great quarterback. He's in a great situation. I'm very happy for him. Mm. But, you know, Zach Wilson threw for two interceptions after throwing for four. Right. It's the Jets. They're, they look terrible. The Broncos have a, a great defense. They've got great stars all across the board. You know, the, their, their young corner, they're very excited about, right? McManus, I mean, McManus scored, what, one, two, three, four field goals last night. So the Broncos, yes, they are playing good football. They're 3-0. and But at the end of the day, Josh Allen is one of the you know, top three quarterback in the NFL right now. And <laughs> Josh Allen is playing lights out. He was making some throws, but that defense in Buffalo, stingy. They're just, they're dominant, and they're stingy, and they're making Taylor Heineke's life a living hell. He had some ducks in that game. Heineke is rather bad, and people are uh, were pretending for a little bit that he was maybe not bad, but no, that, that guy is bad. Terry McLaurin had some good plays in that game, but yeah, no, Washington's defense is not as good as advertised, and the offense is just in, in real trouble. Washington's got real, real problems, but... Yeah, I don't know. Buffalo looks great. Um, they look like they're going to run away with the AFC East. Like, the Dolphins, on the other hand, though, like, it's interesting, too. Like, the Broncos, who had Broncos and Raiders at 3-0 and to this point in the season? Is that not just, uh, like, how do we tell our kids about a 3-0 and Raiders and a 3-0 and Broncos right now? So this is the thing, not to tie everything back to the San Francisco 49ers, <laughs> but... This is what's so frustrating to me right mm. now. And this is why I'm very down on Kyle Shanahan at the moment. You've got the Raiders where Derek Carr, you know, Derek Carr can play good football and he's playing the best football of his career since the year he broke his leg. You've got Teddy Bridgewater playing good football. You've got Sam Darnold playing good football. You don't need Aaron Rodgers to win a football game. You don't need Tom Brady to win a football game. Right? Am I right? Right. You you don't need that. Kirk Cousins playing great football right now. He's played some terrible football before. You don't need that. The 49ers have the best tight end in football, two of the best receivers in the game right now. Young receivers, very exciting, right? They've got arguably the the you know, the most genius play caller of our generation and he can't you can't do i mean you can't win with jimmy garoppolo 2019 jimmy garoppolo had a 63 whatever percentage uh completion percentage of passes down 20 yards or more It was like 19 of 31 on the season literally when i see teddy bridgewater winning football games when i see sam darnold winning football games it's pain it it's just i can't decide is the raiders a good story are we rooting for the raiders are we rooting for gruden in this group are they a fun story i struggle with this i don't know i don't know if i will like that they're doing this and i don't know if i believe all the way in i you know what i do like i like Derek carr because that dude i i like i can't like Derek carr i can't like any guy that has a country (laughs) accent when he grew up in fresno um 
Shots Here's what fired I will say. Con- what's wrong Here's with the country I... accent? What? Whoa, whoa, whoa! What's wrong with the country accent, sir? What's wrong with the country accent when you grew up in Central California? I, I don't know much about fried snow. Is it not uh, not very country? It is Central California. Mm. Never been to Fresno. It is it is closer to San Francisco than it is to to L.A. Noted country area, San yeah. Francisco, California. So, but I want to answer your question. I saw the other day an Oakland Athletics baseball game. I think I counted 15 fans in the stadium. <laughs> you know, they'll they'll talk about how their own ownership is terrible, and I get that, right? But I gotta say, you know. Seeing the Raiders move to Las Vegas, where their fans in Las Vegas love this team and are, you know, open it, you know, meeting the Raiders with open arms. You know, people like to to trash on Jay or John Gruden, but I think it's a great story, right? Coming out of retirement, going back to the team that he was, you know, going back to the Raiders, right? The son of the owner. I think it's a great story. I, I can there's there's reasons that I can find to root for it. So uh, I don't know if I'm rooting for the Raiders, but if I need to fi- look for reasons, I can find them. It's a good story right now. We'll see what happens. The season's long. I don't know about you, but this extra game has made me feel like season's a mile. Like the end of the season is 800 years away. <laughs> when I think about the 49ers losing last night, I was like, there's 17 games in the season. Anything yeah. can happen. Yeah, that's true. Less sense of urgency than in college football. And I mean, we're going to get 18 in the next couple of years, too. They're not going to keep this odd number. They're going to go on two preseason games. Um, yeah, I guess it's just one of those things with the Raiders. It's not fair to them or their fans. It's like they're kind of like the Panthers for me, the AFC, where Sam Darnold could go 12 and 5 regular season. They could win two playoff games. And I would still just be like, are we sure? Are we sure about the Panthers? Are we sure about where they're going? I think that would be the the same with the Vegas Raiders because I don't know Derek Carr has been sensational, but it's like Peyton Barber was their leading carrier. Like he was on was he on Washington two weeks ago? And then you have Max Crosby. Is he still leading the NFL in pass uh, in pressures? Uh, like it's just when you look at who's contributing and who's leading this group and like Brian Edwards, the jokes write themselves and how that's been talked about. Darren Waller is a legitimate legitimate stud. But, like, I don't know. It, there's just something about it that's just, I don't know, I struggle with it. Because I think it's just when you become such a punchline for so long that when you're not and when things are real and that we should take you seriously, um, it's harder harder to, bite in, to buy in. But it's not their fault, I guess. It's just uh, we have to acknowledge that ourselves and uh, adapt accordingly. But, you know, the Raiders are, like you said, a fun story right now. The Panthers are a fun story. But uh, it's a long year, and it uh, it's going to be a long season. We'll see what see what happens. Um, based on the Rams taking out the Bucks, based on the Seahawks winning, based on your Niners going down, based on the Cardinals having to uh, <laughs> work some magic to to take down the Jacksonville Jaguars, um, how do you rank? the NFC West at the moment. Where where are you at right now with the the four based on what you saw this weekend? Well, yeah, I mean the Rams are thoroughly in in front first place. Thoroughly. You were get you to be clear, who has been on the Rams or the best team in the NFC bandwagon from the beginning of the season? 
Right, but you got to understand, as a guy who has watched the 49ers and some of the mm-hmm. worst quarterbacks that have ever played football for that team beat the Rams, you got to understand how I need to see it first. Mm-hmm. And yesterday, I don't know if you watched that football game, mm-hmm. but brother, I saw it, and it was painful. Mm-hmm. As, a, as a 49ers fan, the Rams look good. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Stafford – looks like the guy that you drafted number one overall 400 years ago. Uh, Stafford looks good. Uh, he, yeah, They beat the Bucks thoroughly. They beat the Bucks handedly. It was almost not close for a lot. It wasn't close. I mean, it wasn't close. It wasn't close. Yeah. Even though the score looked a little close, it wasn't close. So, yeah, I got the Rams number one. I've got the Cardinals number two. I do think that the the 49ers are still a better team than the Cardinals. I do. I know that a lot of people after watching yesterday probably don't. Um, but, yeah, you know, I think the 49ers are a better team than the Cardinals. But the record doesn't show it, so you can't really go there. So I got Rams, Cardinals, Niners, Seahawks. Seahawks looked. I mean, losing you know, to the Vikings is never a good look based on what we've seen from – from Minnesota at this point. It was so much more than that, though. If you watch the game, the Seahawks, uh, their their offensive line, not that great. Their defense looked terrible. You know, that Lockett got injured, and then he came back. Chris Carson got injured. They, they had a bunch of injuries. They just didn't look good. Zero points in the second half. Not good. Back against the wall, that's going to be... A delight next week. Seahawks, Niners. Fighting yeah, I, to keep that NFC West dream alive. Seahawks and Niners is going to be a big game next week. And I will say, <laughs> if Trey Lance comes out early, that might be uh, one of the craziest moments. We'll see. I got I got to, you know, I mean, as, a, and as an outsider looking in, I got to buy a jersey, right? And it has to be one of those red home jerseys, right? Is this the one that you tweeted out that was the coldest photo? Of a yeah. 49er and forever at that one. Yeah, the the throwback 94, mm. 75. The Steve Young ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do I get Trey Lance? Do mm. I get George Kittle? Mm. Do I get Debo? Well, you always go with someone who you're you're most confident will be the ni- a, a, both a star and a Niner for the longest period of time, right? Right. Part of me wants to go Kittle mm-hmm. just because I feel like we have a lot in common. <laughs> what do you all have in common? Well, we both love working out. Mm-hmm. We're both obsessed with comics. Is he obsessed uh, he, with comics? He has a Joker tattoo. Does he? Did not know. Yeah. Okay. Um, we both were Halo nerds back in the day. So, yeah, we got a lot in common. What's your favorite yeah. comic? Well, I'm a Marvel guy for the, for the most part. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, <laughs> it's... When, unless you're like hyper obsessed with Marvel and you dive 700 miles in, right? Like you read the big storylines like Civil War and Secret Wars and, uh, you know, things like that. Um, the Deadpool runs are very funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've always, always been a big Spider-Man guy growing up. I was obsessed with the Spider-Man animated series on Fox. That was like my holy grail. Like when I say I'm a comic book guy, I really mean I was obsessed with the Spider-Man animated series growing up. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so yeah, that was a great show. Kittle or Lance? I don't know, man. I think you go Kittle. 
I think you're right. I think you go Kittle. Wait and see on Lance. Wait and see. And I think a, a, the, I don't know. I, I would wait on, I would wait, wait on Lance. And I, I think you made the case for you and Kittle. I think it, it makes more sense to me. I can see that more. I agree. There you go. Making the, this is what we do on this podcast. We, we make big decisions. Um, biggest shocker for you through three weeks. What is it, Evan? <laughs> The biggest shocker, based on what you thought coming into the year, gotta be the Chiefs one and two. Okay, Josh Gordon's coming in, so things are fine. You know, I, I, that's what I got. I think, I think the Chiefs being one and two, although they've played some good teams, right? The Chargers, hey man, as much as I want to talk about the Chargers, your boy Joe Burrow Mm. looked good yesterday. Highest rated, highest rated offensive player through PFF period yesterday. Do you know who wasn't in that game? Hmm. Ben Roethlisberger. Oh God, yeah. What That's are they what doing there, today. man? Like they're yeah. one and two now. I mean, the Bengals are two and one. They are well on their way to finishing dead last. I don't know. I mean, does he does he start seventeen games for no, the Steelers? No, no, no. He he's worse right now than Peyton Manning was the year that his arm went, went dead. You're gonna see Dwayne Haskins in one to two weeks. I said today, and I mean this. It's funny to say it. It's a joke, sure, but I mean this. Ben Roethlisberger needs to retire and give back his money. <laughs> it's it is a. Would you do that? Would I do that? You know, it's hard to put myself in that shoes, but Ben Roethlisberger is not worried about money. He's made a mm-hmm. lot of money over the years. Um, if it was my time to go and I was, like, sitting here getting absolutely flamed by every single person in the NFL, everyone on earth thinks I'm just trash, I'd be like, yo, it's my time to go. No, I'm 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 nursing an ankle injury and I'm sitting on the bench for 15 games. But, I mean, that's like – but at least do that. Right. Yeah. At least say, hey, listen, guys, I love this team. I bet, you know, I played with this team since I was a rookie. I've won two Super Bowls with this team. I don't got it anymore. You got to play Haskins. I'll be his backup. It's what's best for the team. Yeah, I uh, I don't know, man. I don't know if it's Haskins because I, I don't know if you know. There's a there's a player by the name of Josh Dobbs also in that quarterback room. It's Haskins, bro. Are we sure it's not even Mason Rudolph? It's Haskins. Haskins look pretty good in preseason. I mean, we'll see, I guess. But Najee Harris averaging 2.9 yards per carry this week, too. Najee Harris is averaging 2.9 yards per carry because the guy's getting the ball 400 times a game. They're going to kill that kid. It's just that offensive line. It just stopped drafting these running backs in the first round. But 35 targets for Harris and Claypool in this game. Almost 200 yards between them. Pretty pretty wild stuff. I love going through targets and how all that works. And I'm always curious. I wish I could pick their brand. Like, why did you decide Matt Canada to target them 35 times in this game? Um, do you like Josh Gordon and Casey? See no. move the needle at all for you? No, I. Yeah, I mean, it's. I literally. That's that's what I said today. I said, uh, what did I say? I was like, yeah, he's going to run scout team long enough before he gets. Uh, get suspended again you know honestly like i wish there was a world in which josh gordon could play football he was a very exciting very talented receiver but i mean that man has been suspended seven times eight times like 
he he needs to just worry about himself. I mean, it's the same thing where it's like we're all rooting for him. It'd be awesome. It'd be cool if he if it works out in Kansas City. But man, we just got to see it to believe it. But let's see. I I don't know. Um, my favorite drive of the weekend was the opening drive from Buffalo. Allen was finding everyone. So they got up seven to nothing. I, I rewatched this entire drive. I love where they were targeting. I love Allen scampering. I love some of the run stuff. They have some like the sidelines. Emmanuel Sanders has been amazing for, for Four, Buffalo 49ers legend. Yeah. He's just, he is timeless. That man is just going to be a consistent, great receiver for a long time. I don't love him being number one. That always throws me off. Cause I can't, I always, I'm just like, who is no. that? He's one of, he'll, he'll go down as one of the top, five top 10 number two wide receivers in the history of the NFL. Mm. He's like not Anquan Bolden level good when it comes mm. to number two receiver, but like Muhammad Sanu mm. back you know, Muhammad Sanu was a great number two. Oh, you don't have to tell ba- me Bengals first. And then the Falcons, he t- he was a main main cog in that Super Bowl run. He got to be a, a he got to be the number two receiver to AJ Green and then mm. uh, Julio Jones, number Not a two bad receiver look. Hall of Fame. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, did you see what Dan Orlovsky did on ESPN today? No, I didn't. He looked at the camera very intensely, very angrily, and called for Matt Nagy to be fired today. But um, it is 11.58 Eastern time, and Matt Nagy is still employed by the Chicago Bears. Yeah, I mean, Matt Nagy is so far out of his depth at this point. Like, (laughs) I get wanting to get through the season because you know you're going to fire him. But, wow. Did you hear him today say that all of the quarterbacks Mm -hmm. are competing for the starting position, like, what are you doing, man? Poor Justin Fields, though. Like, yeah, I yeah, get Andy Dalton back in there. So you're on my side. I like this. I was right. Do I get do I get credit for for the Fields take before the season? Well, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you don't want to see Justin Fields die. I don't want it. I was like, I don't want any of this. I want Justin Fields to succeed. But I'm like, when I scanned, you can play the tapes from this summer where I was like, there's no path to this working out for him in Chicago. I am not a believer in Pace and Matt Nagy. This offensive line is not good. There, There's no reason to believe in the stability and that he's going to not get thrown to the wolves. And he has. And it's not good. And it's going to be bad. And I don't see it getting any better anytime soon. Like he is in a terrible situation here. It just, I don't know, man, it it's bad. And Ryan Pace, there's no point in firing Matt Nagy because he's fired at the end of the year too. Like they're both gone. So it's like, you might as well go out together. Um, I don't know. It's bad, but Orlovsky made some good points as to why he thought Matt Nagy should be gone. Just with what the game plan was for fields and that loss to Cleveland on Sunday. Pretty pathetic, but um, yeah, Matt Nagy still still on the on the rather hot seat. I, d- I don't know if he's first coach fired, but he's definitely trending that way. Um, what do you make of the Jags? Your man, Trent Balky, trading C.J. Henderson to the, to the Panthers. J.C. So, Horn's gone for a while. What do you make of this? So... <laughs> Whatever, 
you know, whatever I could say, it's something that you've already heard before. But first, first thing I thought was, man, I wish the 49ers could have traded for C.J. Henderson. Uh, but we know that Trent Baalke is absolutely not doing anything for the 49ers. Uh, yeah, that's a great deal for the Panthers. I won't speak about the, the, the Jaguars as much, but that is a great deal for the Panthers. I love it for the Panthers. I love when a team that's already on a hot streak trades for a better player. It's like when the 49ers traded for Manny Sanders when they were undefeated. I love it. You the, know what's interesting? I was listening to mess though. I mean, do you understand now what I was saying? I mean, can we, can we just lock that in? The Jaguars are a mess. They are a mess. They are a mess for sure. It's interesting. I was listening. Do you listen to move the sticks with Bucky and Daniel Jeremiah? No, it's, I don't listen to I don't listen to sports podcasts. Do you really not? Not a single one. Have you ever listened to ours back? Never. Never. Why would I listen to ours back when I I listen to it in real time? Take notes. Be like, I could I could have done that better. I could have done that transition better. I mean, I I'm sure there's things that I could do better, but I am who I am. You know. I'm in the I'm, room. I'm in the film room next I'm morning. A special, I'm a special snowflake, man. You know, I, <laughs> I'm a butterfly. You gotta let me just you know let, let gotta let me fly. Are you comfortable hearing your own voice? Absolutely not. <laughs> I just said was exactly was just masking the real reason, which is I cannot stand my voice. I had to get used to it. It's weird. I had a I had a girl the other day, mm-hmm. and I, this is just a weird thing to say on a podcast, but. <laughs> I had a girl the other day like say, "Oh, you have a really sexy voice," and I'm I'm literally like <laughs> couldn't keep a straight fucking face because I'll listen to myself on a podcast and I'm like, "You sound like a fucking you sound like an idiot." Like <laughs> your voice sounds so weird, and I think that's just how it is in life. Maybe um, you should never but, trust somebody that is actually really into their own voice. Mm, absolutely not. Yeah. Because it's but, uh, just it all it's just amazing how different it sounds in our in our big dumb brains versus uh, what it sounds like to other people. Um, in terms of the Jaguars, though, can I read off their first round draft picks from two thousand nine to two thousand twenty? Yeah, of course. We're gonna play a game. We're gonna play. Is this player still a Jag? <laughs> <laughs> two thousand nine, Eugene Monroe out of Virginia, offensive tackle. Nope. Nope. Tyson Alua, defensive tackle, California, 2010. Don't even know who he is. <laughs> 2011, quarterback, Mizzou. Still in the league, not with the Jags. Blaine Gabbert. 49ers legend. 49ers legend, Blaine Gabbert. 2012, number five overall out of Oklahoma State, wide receiver Justin Blackman. No, God, no. You're talking about that's a, that's like the Pepsi version of Josh Gordon. <laughs> 2013 second round pick or number two overall excuse me luke jokel texas a&m tackle nope gone blake bortles 2014 quarterback ucf do you know who was also drafted at number three the following year for the the jaguars Hmm. dante fowler atlanta falcons legend 2016 jalen ramsey Oh, that guy. Oh, yeah, it was a great pick by them. He's an incredible player. Oh, wait, no, he's on the he's on the Rams now, huh? He is on the Rams now. Shout out to Tom Coughlin. Leonard Fournette, the following year, 2017. 
Are you talking about Super Bowl champion Leonard Fournette? I am. I am. 2018, oh, no. Taven Bryan. Did you say Taven Austin? No. Taven Bryan. No. I don't think so. Is he on the team? No. Okay. Josh Allen, the other Josh Allen, he's still Ooh, on the team. He's a good player, too. He really is. I like Josh Allen a lot. Last two, C.J. Henderson. Is not on the team anymore. No, he's not on the team. And Clavon Chase on. So, you know what's funny? You cannot you, miss that much. That's insanity. You have that many bad picks for that long and then you look me dead in the eyes with the number one pick in the draft and you go I get I get one of the best quarterbacks of all time to ever come out of college I'm gonna hire Trent Bulky <laughs> to fill in the rest of this draft like you hate you hate you hate your team you hate <laughs> your fans you hate everybody that's involved in the city of Jacksonville mm. It's not going well. But, oh, that brings it back to why I brought up Move the Sticks was Jeremiah and Bucky were talking to, um, what's his name, uh, Bruce Feldman from The Athletic, a uh, great college football insider. And he mentioned, like, Matt Rule, that, like, Matt Rule brought all of his college dudes to Carolina. Joe Brady, um, obviously coming from LSU, he brought him in. He brought, but, like, Rule brought his own DC from Baylor. He brought all college guys and it's working out. Urban didn't do any of that. He didn't bring anybody like Charlie Strong's on the staff, on the defensive staff, but he wasn't with him at Ohio state. Ryan day kept everybody basically. And he hired Brian Schottenheimer as like a co OC. And he has all these, all these different random people on the staff. And it's just like, he went maybe a little over, overindulgent in hiring X fired NFL people I don't know, man. Like it is, it is a real mess. And Urban Meyer is the second best college football coach of all time. But that man hates, hates losing. And I cannot imagine this is, uh, this is going well in, uh, in Jacksonville behind closed doors. It, it, it cannot be going well. I mean, <laughs> the one thing I will say, as much as I love to trash on the Jaguars and Urban Meyer and Trent Baalke. You got to look at all the all the teams this year, right? All the teams that drafted their quarterbacks, top quarterbacks outside of the 49ers who traded into that pick, right? The Jets are 0-3. Okay. The the Jets look absolutely terrible because they had an absolutely terrible team. That's why they have their pick. The Jaguars 0-3. Absolutely terrible team. The Patriots would be 0-3 if they weren't the Patriots with Bill Belichick, the fact that they are the Patriots being one and two, especially this year after they've spent all the money they spent, like is worse to me than the Jaguars being zero and three. Like it's just a matter of these are rebuilding teams. And I think you've got to get them somewhat of the benefit of the doubt. The giants, the giants are fucking terrible. The giants are just terrible how you'd pick Daniel Jones at that pick and you've taken Saquon, Daniel Jones. Uh, I just, yeah, it's not good. It's not good. Uh, Mr. Swartz, do you have a, a two minute hot take? Do you have a Swartz says this week? Or are you going to ask me? I didn't know I was doing this for, for the fourth week. No, I knew you were going to do this. <laughs> uh, you know, I've, I talked about it a little bit earlier, but mm-hmm. I want to, I want to just say it in a vacuum by itself. There you go. 
2019, you saw the exact same problems that you see right now with Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan will immediately pull back the offense the second Jimmy makes a mistake. It's 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 inevitable. And here we are again with better receivers, a better offensive line, and they are taking less downfield attempts than they did in 2019 to people like Dante Pettis and Kendrick Bourne. If you're not going to let Jimmy throw the ball, if you're not going to attempt, even if you might fail, to do the things that you need to do to take advantage of your incredible weapons and strong offensive line, you need, you dem, it's, you des, we deserve it. You need to start the, the quarterback that you traded three first round picks for to go up to the third overall pick and take what arguably could be so far the most successful rookie quarterback in the season, right? I mean, you got to say he is, he's got two touchdowns, no interceptions, no incomplete passes. <laughs> no, um, you, 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 there, there's no point. If you're not going to let Jimmy do his thing, if you're not going to try, if you're just going to play this tiny little basic offense, then you need to start Trey Lance. And hey, if Trey Lance fumbles, if he if he stumbles, if he if he misses some passes, if he loses some games, that's fine. I'd rather go through growing pains with Trey Lance in the three first round picks we gave away to get him than stumble pathetically through this basic ass offense that Kyle's running through Jimmy. Mm. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, I, I trust Kyle. Just trusting Kyle for a little bit longer. He, he'll I figure don't it tr- out. I don't trust Kyle. Oh. I don't mm. trust Kyle. Absolutely do not trust Kyle. He, did, he, trust Kyle. It, was four, it was fourth and one on the one on the 50 yard line last night and he punted. Three plays later, Three plays later, they had just gotten back to the one-yard line. Like, no. Mm. Bad place. Bad place for you. Um, Are you ready for the two minutes? Screw the lines. Two-minute timer for our picks this week. Mm, Let's see. Where's my tab? (laughs) Okay. How did I do last week? And do you have the numbers from last week in front of you? I do. All right. That's not the right one. I always forget what website I used. Do you not use Google Docs for this? No, for the scores. Oh, okay. Right. There it is. Okay, we. Uh, I took the Panthers. You took the Texans. You were absolutely painful <laughs> in there. Um, I took. No, we both took the Chiefs. We were both wrong there. We both took the Cards. We were right there. We both took the Browns. We were right there. We both took the Bills. We both took the Titans. We both took the Saints. You took the Falcons. I took the Giants. Mm. Mm, not not a good one there. We both took the Steelers. Geniuses, absolute geniuses. Uh, we both took the Ravens. We both took the Broncos. 
I took the Raiders. You took the Dolphins. Not a good look on your part. Mm. Welcome back. Welcome. Welcome back down to earth. Mm. Uh, I took the Bucks. You took the Rams. Fuck. We both took the Viking, or we both took the Seahawks. Uh, I took the 49ers, you took the Packers, and we both took the Cowboys. So, better week for you, bad week for both of us. Mm. Well, let's bounce back this week as a collective unit. Do you have this week's schedule in front of you? Week four, already here. All right, let's go. Here we go. All right, it's time for Screw the Lines because, Evan, what are we not going to talk about during this two-minute... I, I don't even know what a line is. I don't, you know, I can't, I, I've never driven, driven, drawn a line in my entire life. I can't walk a straight line, mm. okay? Uh, you know, I nefarious drugs, I want nothing to do with them. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't believe in it. Line Rider, the game we all played uh, as kids on what? the computer... Who played that? Played what it. are you talking about? What is Line Rider? You, you know what Line Rider is. I have is. no idea. I'm going to look that I up right now. Guaranteed my soul you know what Line Rider is. Line Rider. Li- you used to, line are you saying Line Rider or Line Rider? Line Rider. You used to draw lines and a little dude on like a, a like a, a, you know, almost like a sled. I have ne- I'm looking at this now. I have never seen this before in my life. Never what happened. They, what do they teach you out in Georgia? We you had Oregon Trail. We had backyard baseball, Spy Fox, and dry cereal. Um, we had some some roller coaster tycoon action. How have you never had Line Rider? Never what seen this wrong? before. Oh God, yeah, absolutely a con hmm. game. But anyways, I never played it because I don't believe in lines. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what to do. Uh, all right. Well, we don't believe in lines in this podcast uh, because we don't care we, we watch football because it's fun it's fun to watch football and we're not going to take the time to look into the minus three and a half who cares all right so long and short of it is we will both be taking the Bengals over the jaguars yeah it's in jacksonville uh, though isn't it i don't care lions and bears i am taking the lions dude they this is on looked- thursday night hold on Thursday night Bengals Jags. Oh, oh, Thursday night. They're just getting hammered. Um, yeah, give me the Bengals there. But anyway, yes, continue. So yeah. Uh Titans and Jets. I'll be taking the Titans. I believe you will too. I will take the Titans, yes. Uh Lions and Bears. The Lions have looked good for three weeks now, and they've just come up short each time. They're playing tough football. I think the Lions get a good win here. Give me the Bears. Do you remember how the Bears won this game last year in Detroit? No. Where that crucial, crazy drop by DeAndre Swift at the goal line ended the game. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Heartbreak. Um, give me the Bears here. This is a weird one. Colts, Dolphins. This is just like the the desperation game of all desperation games. Who's even in at quarterback? Is it Brissett versus who, his old team in Indy versus Jacob Eason? Or is Carson Wentz? Like, oh, this is just... You talk about preposterous going, quarterback play. I'm, I'm going Dolphins. I'm going Dolphins too, but man, I do not want to watch one second of this. Nope, not at all. Uh, Browns and Vikings. This will be a good game. Um, do we think the Vikings have figured some stuff out? Mm, it's the Seahawks. See, they look pretty bad. They had some injuries. I'm going Browns for that reason. 
I'm going to go Browns too. Stefanski, former OC with Zimmer. You know, no, I'm going to go Vikings here. I think they're going to win at home. Give me the Vikings. Uh, interesting, interesting. The Browns didn't look great against the Bears this week. Browns, eh. They had some good things going. Nick Chubb is a damn good quarter uh, running back. I would agree. I would agree. It's the, okay. the Kirk Cousins impersonation bowl. Baker looking a little bit like Kirk Cousins these days. What about Washington Falcons? Falcons should win this. Heineke versus uh, versus Atlanta. I think the NFC East is just what the doctor ordered for a little bit. So give me the, the Atlanta Falcons. Two-game winning streak? 500 Two football? winning streak. Are we going to have a better what? record than the than the Niners in a week? No. <laughs> um, I will say this. I'll t- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you in your Falcons fandom here, even though only because the Washington football team does absolutely nothing for me. Mm. The, the Bills might give the Texans one of the worst beatings they've ever received in their entire lives. This is bad. Yeah. Uh, Bills. This is gonna, that's going to be an ugly game. Uh, speaking of ugly games, Saints and Giants, I don't want to watch that. That's for sure. But I'll go Saints, but I won't be happy about it. But the Giants looked so bad this week. But then we saw what the Saints looked like two weeks ago against the the Pats and Mac Jones. The, it, the Saints are just Jekyll and Hyde. Are we sure that they won't just go the other way? Where is this game? It, it's not in New Orleans yet, right? Uh, I don't know. Let's see. It's at New Orleans. Oh, is it back? Okay. So this is the first game back. Oh, yeah. First game back. Done. Saints. Yeah. All right. And then Chiefs and Eagles. Oof. Chiefs are going to win that one. No problem. Chiefs aren't going one and three. No. Although that would be so funny. That would be uh, that'd be wild, but the Chiefs are like the only team in the NFL that could start one and seven, and I'm still like, I think they'll probably still make the playoffs. They'll figure it out. This is going to be a good game, though. This is genuinely going to be a good game. Panthers, Cowboys. Yeah. Um, Cowboys. I think Cowboys' offense is legitimately elite, and I'm not sure the Panthers can score enough, especially with McCaffrey out and DJ Moore went off this past week. But I don't know. I Joe Brady's going to have to play call his tail off. Um, the Joe Brady versus Kellen Moore battle should be fascinating but uh give me the cowboys oh i i it's hard to, i hate rooting for the cowboys mm-hmm. but they, they just look really good tonight so i, I think i have to see like 49ers man what do you got if you get to answer that first i'm glad this is at four um and the rest of the four o'clock slate is um not uh man you know what i just realized broncos ravens is also so i'm going to flip between these two um you're gonna not like this Wait, hold on. Give me the Seahawks. One in three Seahawks at this point? No. Russell Wilson's not not dropping that one too. Bad stuff going on in San Francisco right now. Give me give me the Seahawks. Wait, hold on, what? What? On? The Seahawks. No, 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 no. Laura Britt of NBC Sports uh, and Matt Mayoko and Jennifer Lee are for press conference live to hear from Kyle Shanahan right now what's happening I'm trying to figure it out do you think it's anything serious I'm, I'm, uh, hold on give me a sec wait what's going on here 
I don't mean to cause so much drama here and not telling you, but like literally, I don't know yet. What is going on here? Hold me one second. What is going on right now? It's been 21 minutes. This is interesting. A press conference at 9 o'clock, but they're not saying anything at all about what it is. Well, you know, we can't really just keep dragging things along, but I don't see anything so far, so... If anything does make of it, this is going to be an interesting time capsule on the pod for future pod listeners. What? It, it ended up being nothing. Mm. It was just Kyle talking about yesterday's, yesterday's game. Wasn't anything special. What a weird thing to do. Nine o'clock at night, special press conference to cover the game? Hmm. Interesting. Anyways, let's just finish this off while we still got it going. Sorry for that interruption, but I would imagine if you're listening to this, you're probably as confused as I am. <laughs> 49ers or Seahawks? Uh, Seahawks. I fucking hate you. What's the real not starting I'll, off one and three? I, I'm going to say this out loud for everyone to hear. If the 49ers lose to the Seahawks at home mm. tomorrow or Sunday night, I promise you, you'll never see Jimmy Garoppolo start another game for the 49ers. Mm. Guaranteed. Without a doubt in my mind. I don't think they lose. I think the 49ers win. I think they come back. I think Jimmy gets his shit together. I think Kyle gets his shit together. I think the pass rush plays better. I think they make adjustments after watching what the Packers did. Um, I think the 49ers win. But... If they lose, you'll never see Jimmy Garoppolo start another game for the 49ers. Mm. There you go. There you go. Where are we going next? Rams and Cardinals. Love. The, I love the NFC West. One of these bastards is getting a loss. Bloodbath right here. Right? It's at the Rams. I think we got to go Rams here, right? Yes, yes, but this is, I mean, we're going to learn a lot. We're going to learn a lot about the Arizona Cardinals this weekend. Very educational game. There's a couple games I'm very excited for this week. That is one of them. Think about this week. I don't, we're going to name these off, but think about this week, right? You've got Seahawks 49ers, Rams Cardinals, Brady back in New England, Raiders Chargers and Ravens Broncos. Those are all great games. Mm. So finishing it off, Packers and Steelers. I think we know what happens there. Mm. Steelers one and three. Worst in the AFC North. That's not a surprise though. Remember we were like just laughing, like watch them start winning again. But yeah, no. It's just sad. Like this is it's going out in a sad way. 
Ravens Broncos. This is going to be an absolute delight. I have not liked what Lamar looked like this week, and they should have lost to the Lions. Um, Teddy in this group, I, I just don't. I think they'll be able to keep Lamar in check. I think this Denver defense is legit. Um, I I'm really really buying buying the Broncos stock right now. Give me the Broncos here. That's funny. Yeah, I'm. I won't. I refuse to say that that Lamar Jackson loses here. Go Teddy, um, man. I'm rooting. I, I I hope they go 17 and 0. Go Teddy Bridgewater. It's a it's a fun game for both teams, but yeah, I'm gonna go Ravens. Um, yeah, if the Broncos win, that's they're they're a real team. Uh, the Patriots deserve every single thing that is going to happen Sunday night. What is the rating going to be for this game? This is going to be the most watched NFL game of outside so, of the Super Bowl, so, right? So the 49ers and Packers Sunday night football game was the highest rated, most viewed Sunday night football game of all time. Oh, yeah, that's getting broken this week. This is getting – it's going to get destroyed. It's going to get shattered. I hate watching both of these teams, and I will be watching every single minute of this game. Uh, the Buccaneers throttle. Brady, holy shit. Brady is going to fucking do horrible things to this team. I agree. Give me the Bucks. Last then, one. Raiders and Chargers. I'm going Chargers. You know me. I'm taking my AFC team. Brutal, though, because do you know what's off for a month now? Hmm. The Manning cast. Wait, really? Yeah, they're not coming back till October 25th. They might have to just look at making that a permanent. I mean, well, they have to look at making it a permanent thing. Everyone loves it. Well, now it's just people are going to be annoyed, right? Like, there's no, like, they're, <laughs> now you're going to make these people go back to Levy, Riddick, and Greasy. Now, like, they're, you're putting these three in a terrible spot. So now they're just going to have all these angry people tweeting about them. Like, where's Manning Cast? Like, why, why are we back on this nonsense? And it's it stinks because it's not like they're bad at their job. They're just not the Manning Cast. And they found gold in the Manning Cast. Yeah. I don't know. I think that should be a, a permanent thing. That, like, literally might save Monday Night Football, the Manning Cast. Like, Eli flicked off the crowd tonight. That double happened. Double deuce. Yeah. The like, double deuce. <laughs> It's it's incredible. Um, yeah, who would have known that putting Peyton and Eli on a Monday Night Football broadcast would, would do numbers? It's also just, like, fun, and they don't have to be there in person. So shout out to them for being like, we're working from home, and uh, you're going to pay us a lot of money to work from home and do this and have fun. Um, give me – I think this is where the fun ends in, in Vegas. Give me the Chargers. That's fair. That's fair. Herbert looked better this week, and big win against the Chiefs for four touchdowns. My guy. Yeah. And by the way, we got Mike Will. We got Clemson Mike Williams back, and that's something I'm very excited for. Clemson football had to die for Mike Williams to to fly sky high. Clemson Mike Williams is one of my favorite college receivers of all time. Watching him do what he did against Alabama was beautiful, mm. and I love seeing him thrive. Two touchdowns, 127 yards. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Where are you at with Javante Payton? Jalen Hyatt? I don't really care. Felix Jones Jr.? Felix Jones Jr.? Is that a a Cowboys running back? No. No, 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 no. Um, Tion Evans in the backfield? He was catching passes out out of the backfield? Yeah, like you can keep saying these names. (laughs) I don't care about them. We're fun, man. I promise. 
Like the Vols are they're improving. Got some explosive plays. <laughs> Dude, I will say this though. The football this season, it is good. I don't know the about the Oregon. Yeah, I don't know about your Oregon Ducks, man. Anthony Brown looked bad this week. And you're uh, first mm-hmm. off, Anthony, first off, they just throttled Arizona. They didn't throttle him. Arizona outgained you on Saturday. Throttled. They threw two picks in the red zone. Scoreboard better. <laughs> Scoreboard. Uh, Oregon's frauds. Frauds and frauds and uh, Eugene. The, you know who the real best team of, in the state of Oregon is? You ready for this? Who is number nine in S&P Plus on offense? That's right. Your Oregon State Beavers. Shout out to the Beavs. Jonathan Smith coaching his tail off up there don't, in Corbett. Don't ever, don't ever say shout out to the Beavs on this podcast ever again. I don't care if it's your podcast. Don't, don't ever do that again. <laughs> nah, you know what I got to say is a guy who's watched my friends who, you know, I have a lot of friends that went to Oregon State because they couldn't get into Oregon. Oh um, my goodness. Shots fired. And, and I genuinely do like seeing them play better football um, because it's just so sad. Right. You know, so many friends that are such big Beavers fans that they never win. So any kind of upgrade, any kind of upgrade on that team for them, I'm very excited for. Have you been to Corvallis? I have forgotten more nights in Corvallis than I have remembered. Really? Yeah. Oh is God, it fun? It is one of the most, I mean, at least it was, I don't know mm. what it's like now. Uh, but when we were growing up, when we were in college, they drink. Hmm. Like not like, much to do out there. Like Oregon, you know, like it's kind of like 50, 50 between smoking weed and drinking. No, the OSU, the Beavers, it is one of the most aggressive drinking places I've ever been to in my entire life. Uh, my friends were all functioning alcoholics uh, and they're all great people now doing great, doing great things. Uh, but yeah, I, I've, I've never drank harder than I drank when I went to Oregon state to party with my friends. Hmm. That's interesting. I don't know. That uh, that's interesting. There's nothing out there. Literally yeah. nothing. It is in the middle of cornfields. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Who doesn't love a good cornfield? Um, shout out to rural areas of the country. Mr. Swords, 49ersub.com, burner underscore swords. What, uh, what else would you like to plug as we wrap up here tonight? You know, by all means, go ahead and download the Chancer app. Mm. Check Always play play against me in the scores if you can. Uh, it's fun. Uh, you know, check out 49ers Hub so you can see me and everyone else crying about what is going on with, with our poor quarterbacks. But, yeah, man, glad to be on here. You know what I'm going to ask you to wrap up this edition of the, of the NFL podcast on Monday nights on the Chase Thomas podcast. What, what, what do people do? What, what should people do, Mr. Swords? Well, you know, it's really straightforward if you mm-hmm. think about it, right? Mm-hmm. Every morning, there's things that you want to do. Right. Especially if you're going to start the week off, right? Right. You want to, like, wake up, right? You want to brush your teeth, use mm-hmm. your mouthwash, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, do your hair, even if you're working from home, right? You want to make sure you start the day right, okay? Get a good breakfast in. I hope you're going to the gym. I hope you're going to the gym. You know, take care of your body. Get some physical activity, right? Come home. Drink some coffee, get caffeine, get dangerous, dangerously caffeinated, right? Mm. Make sure you're feeling yourself, especially on a Monday, on a Tuesday, get the week started right. Mm-hmm. And then you take your fucking ass 
to Apple Apps. You go to the Chase Thomas podcast in iApple Podcasts in the App Store, and you give it a five-star review. And why do you do that? Because you're not a piece of shit. <laughs> you're not a piece. You're not a scumbag. You're not coming here every week listening to Chase Porta's hard out on this podcast talking about 50 different sports, <laughs> trying to remember 50 different fucking players. Like the amount of work that this man puts into this podcast, you're not going to not give it a five-star review. And, you know, I know what you're thinking. You're like, yeah, but you're also on it on Mondays and we don't. I don't like you. And I'm like, listen, I don't like me. Okay, so like you can come sit down with me and my therapist. We can talk about I don't like me. I get it. But but it's not about me. Right. It's about Chase. It's the Chase Thomas podcast. Mm -hmm. We're going to give Chase five stars because we believe in Chase. We care for Chase. We want Chase to succeed. And that's how we make it happen. That was great. These get better every week. God to help. Mr. Swords, I will talk to you next week. See you soon. All right. The Monday afternoon edition of the Chase Thomas podcast rolls along where I am now joined by someone who covers the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, the now ACC favorite Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Oh yeah, the favorites. It's done. No, I don't know. I have no idea what to make of the ACC. But to get me a better understanding of what happened on Saturday at Mercedes-Benz, uh, Rob McKenzie of 247sportsgojackets.com. Go check out gojackets.com today if you've not already and become a 247 Sports subscriber. Rod, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. Hope you are too. I'm doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. Okay, so walk me walk me through what happened on Saturday and why the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets were able to really beat down the North Carolina Tar Heels. Well, I, I think the the two coordinators for Georgia Tech, uh, Dave Patnode on offense and Andrew Thacker on defense, have really stepped up the last two weeks against uh, Clemson and North Carolina and put in some things and prepared their team for, you know, and I think both teams were caught by surprise with some of the things that Georgia Tech was doing. And the, the, the you know, the program has been making progress all along. Uh, they think they have, you know, a, a good portion of the players that they need to take that next step. But they're, the problem, you know, in the first couple of games was finishing out games. And this is something that they felt that they did against Clemson, and they wanted that to carry over to North Carolina. So I think the the venue had a lot to do with the way the team came out. You know, uh, uh, you know, get, getting to play in one of the best venues in the country, uh, a professional NFL stadium, uh, a lot of fan excitement, that type of thing. Uh, and they came out and they uh, they didn't back down from North Carolina. And I think the most important thing they did defensively was to shut down the North Carolina uh, running game and make North Carolina one-dimensional. One and once that happened, I think that's when they took over the game. Why were they unable to finish well early on in the season? You mentioned that they have fixed a lot of those problems. What were those problems? Yeah, they, they uh, you know, they the, the opening game when they 
they lost on the on the two point conversion. They were unable to. All they had to do, they they had the ball on their final drive. All they had to do was get one first down to close out the game. They weren't able to do that. Defense took over. All they had to do was make a stop. They weren't unable to do that. You know, so uh, they the second game against Kennesaw, they had a big lead, but they felt that they let down a little in the fourth quarter. Let up. Let let in two, uh, you know, explosive plays for touchdowns that made the game a little closer than it actually was. So, their their goal going into that Clemson game was to play a complete game, and that's what they did. And and they followed that up, uh, you know, against uh, North Carolina Saturday night. Interesting. Um, it you you mentioned that the kids were up for it and the the staff was up for it. Um, from what I could tell, I don't know. I I didn't get the the feel that uh, the fans. Like you could you could hear it. And how how full was it inside the Georgia Tech fans, and what was the disparity between them and North Carolina? Well, I think the most important thing that I observed is that, uh, you know, unlike a lot of larger schools, uh, the Georgia Tech student section has not always been a big positive for Georgia Tech, and that they really stepped it up on on Saturday night. Hmm. They sold out their allotment of tickets. And they, th- that was one of the reasons that I thought that the atmosphere was great in there. Hmm. Uh, you know, they, they, uh, they didn't have the upper deck open for the games, uh, similar to, uh, from what I understand to what they do with the soccer. But, uh, they, I think the attendance was 37,500, but the sound in there is really, is really good. And, uh, you know, even through an enclosed press box, we could hear, you know, the excitement that was going on in the stadium. So, who is the quarterback going forward? <laughs> uh, it, I think it's always been Jeff Sims. Okay, and it, it's it's funny you should mention that because in the uh, I just got the transcript from the uh, Narduzzi press conference today, and one of the questions asked him, "Well, what do you think of Jordan Yates?" Well, he he quickly pointed out that. You know Jeff Sims is the is the Georgia Tech quarterback, and he pointed out how well he played Saturday night. And I was just reading that Kurt Herbstreit named his top seven players from the weekend, and Jeff Sims was one of those seven. And the only reason you didn't see him play against uh, you know Clemson or Kennesaw State was the fact that he was injured. So they they were being careful. You know they didn't want to rush him back and and lose him for the whole season. So. They knew they had a, a capable backup in Jordan Yates, and uh, he got the job done against Kennesaw. Played against uh, one of the best, you know, defensive teams in the country in Clemson, and and uh, you know held his own in that game. But you know that I think uh, Coach Collins and Coach Patno brought Jeff Sims into the game at the perfect time in that second quarter. Uh, and he really turned the game around with that that first touchdown run. And after that, uh, they could not stop the Georgia Tech offense. What was it about Sims that he brought that Yates was not able to to capitalize on in that in that first half? Yeah, I, I, I think uh, I think Jeff Sims is number one. He's he's a better runner. He I think his his vision, his quick feet, that type of thing. When you run the RPOs, you know he. He does a great job of hiding the ball. For instance, he'll he'll put the ball in the stomach of of uh, Jameer Gibbs, and if he sees that the uh, the defense is going to you know 
commit to Gibbs, he'll pull it out and go the other way, and he has that ability to make people miss. And he came in, I think, with you know a little over three minutes to go in that second quarter. Uh, Georgia Tech had just recovered a fumble, uh, moved it to the 17-yard line. They ran the first play with Gibbs for only one yard in that second play. Sims took it and, and took it to the house, you know, for a touchdown. And, and, uh, that, you know, that gave Georgia Tech a, a big lift, you know, going into the halftime. How did Georgia Tech's defense, and I'm sorry for this, I, I, I apologize, swarm Sam Howell on Saturday? <laughs> that's a, that's perfectly okay. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, it, they, they had been practicing a, Three three five defense since spring and and fall, uh, you know preseason camp, and they they were waiting for the right time to break it out. You know they've been playing their standard four two five, but uh, in the midst of all that, you had a player by the name of Charlie Thomas, who was the uh, ACC linebacker of the week this week, who they wanted to get on the on the field. Uh, on a regular basis in addition to the other two linebackers. So they, they started practicing that 3-3-5, and uh, when they felt comfortable enough to break it out, they broke it out against Clemson. And, and of course, the Clemson people admitted they weren't prepared for that, and that enabled uh, you know Georgia Tech to do some things against them and confuse their quarterback. And that they made some, as Coach Thacker mentioned, he said, now that we – we're able to play this, we can put some different layers into that. And I believe they opened the game with six defensive backs and then, you know, just did, did some different, uh, schemes off of that, that base, you know, three, three, five. And it, it, you know, initially shut down, uh, Ty Chandler, who was the ACC running back of the week, the previous week, uh, held him to less than three yards a carry. And then, you know, it forced, uh, forced Howell to throw the ball more than he probably wanted to and uh, you know that led to some turnovers you know I believe he fumbled a couple times Georgia Tech ended up with with three turnovers and that's that's been a key for them the last couple of games they've they've won the turnover battle and when they do that they usually come out on top was North Carolina's offensive line as bad as it seems and when I look at the numbers and just like it was it really just that bad and how much of that was what Georgia Tech was throwing at them or do you think it was one of those where don't don't get too into just the the lack of running game the lack of time for Sam Howell and the mistakes um that were forced by Georgia Tech versus that North Carolina just their offensive line is is really that bad this year you know I I think there was a couple of things involved number one uh, going into the game, uh, Georgia Tech felt they were facing one of the best offensive lines in the ACC. Mm-hmm. They were experienced, they were big, that type of thing. The but, problem with that is their experience. Know, they, I saw that a lot, Rod. And I was like, people keep throwing that out there with certain things. Like, everyone's experienced with the year back, but they were bad last year. And bring, sometimes experience is not good if that collection of experience is not good. <laughs> yeah, well, well, what what happened was that... Mm. that uh, you know when they when they shut down the, the the run initially, they knew that that they could just pin their ears back, you know, as, as mm-hmm. people like to say, and and really go after the quarterback, uh, knowing that they had the linebackers uh, behind them to make plays. And I, I think a lot of it had to do with the the coverage, you know, with the five defensive backs. Uh, 
they really kept Downs, you know, who was leading the, the ACC and receiving going into the game. They kept him, you know, underneath, uh, didn't allow him to make any big plays. And, uh, you know, until they threw that, that long pass uh, in the second half that, uh, that Howell laid on the money, uh, they really ha- didn't complete any long passes. So you have to give the secondary, you know, some credit for what was happening up front with the pass rush. And, you know, Georgia Tech historically has not had good defensive lines. And they have not had big defensive lines. So they, when they switched to that uh, three-man front, they wanted to take advantage of, number one, the, some of the younger players that are were you know, the six five, six six defensive ends that they didn't have before and use them in the pass rush and then also they could they could blitz from a couple of different areas. You know, they could blitz from one of the linebackers, one of those five defensive backs could blitz. So and Charlie Thomas at linebacker was instrumental in that. And you know, he's he's known as the playmaker on defense for Georgia Tech and you know, I think he had two and a half uh tackles for a loss and Georgia Tech had seven sacks, which, you know, I think they only had a couple of sacks through the first three games. So uh, it uh, it had had the fans wondering where the heck were these guys, you know, prior to this game. What was the biggest difference from what you saw this week versus what you saw against Clemson last week? Well, I think I think they they played with a lot more confidence. I think the Clemson game gave them a lot of confidence going into into the uh, North Carolina game and I think uh, you know once they you know they were always playing from behind against Clemson and, and you know Clemson hadn't given up a, a touchdown all year and they they had three different situations against Clemson where they had first and goal and couldn't score and when they were able to 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 take that 13 to 7 lead uh you know, against North Carolina, I think that really gave the offense uh, a lot of confidence, and especially with the fact that Sims had just come in to to give him that extra punch. And you know, I talked to Malik Carter, and he said, "Yeah, that that definitely gave us a big lift when when we saw him run for that first touchdown, and knowing what they knew of him from practice." And you know, he he ended up running for 128 yards, was 10 for 13 passing, so. Uh, he had a great all-around game, and uh, you know he 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 wanted to make up for that that opening quarter against uh, Northern Illinois, and uh, before he got injured, he, he he more than enough made up for that. Interesting. Um, going forward, do you think this win is like a when you when you look at the calendar uh, post Tar Heels? Is this going to be like the seminal moment where the tide really did shift um, in Jeff Collins' favor uh, at Tech, or do you think we still need to see a little bit more? Like, where where are you at with the calendar, with what's on the docket? Uh, what 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 is the realistic outcome and future hold Georgia Tech uh, for the rest of this year? Well, you know, uh, I think that Collins and the and the coaches were waiting for that that game that really convinced the players that what the coaching staff was doing with them would put them over the hump and, and, and move them to the next level. And I, I think if, if you ask most fans, they probably would have thought, 
you know, Georgia Tech's going to be two and two after the first four games, but they they would have thought that the first two games they would have won convincingly, and then get blown out the next two games against Clemson and and uh, North Carolina, and it was quite the opposite. So, I think if they can get by Pitt, which has been a nemesis for uh, Georgia Tech in recent years, and especially with the, the, their quarterback Kenny Pickett, if they get by them. I think they then it's going to be. Uh, I think they have a chance to win at least seven games this year. And you know, the following week after Pitt, you have you go back on the road and you have Duke, a team that they should win against. You know, but uh, you know that that would if they could go uh, you know into that game three and two and win and come out four and two. I think it's your very realistic chance of being one of those teams that's going to win seven, possibly eight games, because you know they still got to play uh, Notre Dame, they still have to play Georgia, and they still have to play Virginia Tech. So there's there's some tough games left on the schedule, and that's why at the beginning of the year, you know, most people said, hey, we'll be happy if we can win six games because it was, it was uh, noted that Georgia Tech had the third or fourth toughest schedule in the country, and uh, it's it's reached a point now. Well, you know they've gotten a little excitement going both on the team and and in the fan base, and hopefully uh, this will bring out more fans to the games now. You know because it, I think it's uh, it's been a wait and see type thing with the fans, and I think now it's time for you know if they want this team to keep going, they need to get out and support the team. Okay, there you go, there you go. Uh, what can we look out from you and the rest of the good folks at Go Jackets this week? Well, we've uh, we had a, a couple of articles today. One on we talked to you know quite a few of the recruits who were at that game to get their thoughts on on what they thought and what they think the future of the program is. We we did an article on uh, the the dreaded above the line. You know, a lot of fans don't want to uh, deal with that. They'd rather have it too deep. But the above the line has put more players on the field. I think Tech used twenty eight players on defense in that game and and they're building some nice depth for the future uh so we we had an article on that and we'll have a a press conference tomorrow with uh coach collins and the two coordinators and then we'll get the players on wednesday so that'll be a a good lead into uh you know to the game on saturday at, at noon against Pitt. there you go there you go uh as someone who played Pitt earlier this season uh, enjoy the Kenny Pickett is uh, pretty pretty decent through the air experience, but uh, Sam Al also pretty pretty good by by my count. So it would be pretty impressive if the Jackets can can limit what Pickett uh, has been able to do this year because he has been sensational uh, through four weeks. I mean they had that that bad loss last week, but he's been he's been yeah, good. He's, they put he's up. pulled some games out. He's pulled some games out for Pitt when they played Georgia Tech, so they're. They know he's capable of not only throwing the ball, but also running the ball. So it's going to be a challenge for them. And a great uh, uniform game for, for folks like myself who, who love a good aesthetically pleasing affair on my college football Saturdays. I'm, <laughs> I'm excited for these two uniforms to clash. Good uniforms from both yeah, programs. I, 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 worked, I worked with Pitt's program back in the Dan Marino days. so mm. And they've gone back to the colors they used back in those days and that that makes me happy even though um, i support georgia tech now but i i like the old uh pit colors that they've gone back to so uh and and adidas has done a great job 
is supporting Pitt football with the uniforms and everything else that they've done. So it's it's going to be a, a fun afternoon. Absolutely. I mean, my my dad has uh, Tony Dorsett's Pitt jersey. Uh, Dorsett just gave it to him when he was at. Uh, my dad worked at Georgia Tech football game um, way back in the day um, as a kid, and Dorsett, he asked Dorsett for his jersey, and Dorsett gave it to him. So it's framed uh, back in my parents' house in Atlanta. It's actually like a framed Dorsett. Uh, that, that's that. That's pretty cool. He he brought me back a pair of Converse. Uh, Dallas Cowboys shoes with a star in the middle of the shoe. I thought that was pretty cool too. So he might be a good dude. Uh, some good memories. Yeah, some absolutely. great memories from the Dorset days. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Rod, thank you so much for making the time today. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, good luck this weekend and the rest of the season. But uh, we should check back again again soon. Thanks, Chase. I appreciate you having me on. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.